Well, good morning, Restoration Church. My name is Pastor Kevin, and welcome to my dining room table. Man, I love gathering around this table. I love what happens around this table. You've got some good food, uh, some good community and connection that happens around the table. In fact, I was thinking about the early church, and maybe this is one of the reasons why they created this incredible community and this incredible family feel amongst the people of God. Because Acts 2 says they center their ministry, their connection around sharing a meal with each other in each other's homes around a dining room table. Here at our table, my family, we love to have people over for dinner. Usually people are invited. When you are invited, usually there's a mutual sense of care, of love, of concern for one another that helps embody some of that community, community that happens around the table. So when you come to our house, we're gonna have some, some good food and I am thankful my wife is an incredible cook. I love, my favorite meal she makes is these chicken enchiladas that are just off the chart. So we're going to share some good food together. We're probably going to laugh together. We're probably going to have some good uh, conversation that happens around the table. Uh, There may be some dreaming about the future. There might be some counseling, some encouragement, and some areas that need to be addressed. If my kids are here and the conversation begins to slow down, my son Oliver will pull out these conversation cards to create dialogue and allow this conversation to continue to happen. When we're done with our meal, we might move on to the back deck or maybe go for a walk out in the orchard to continue that connection, to continue that relationship that we have and continue to build that community. The reason I invite you into my dining table this morning is we're starting a new series at Restoration Church called Last Words, based on the book of John chapters 13 through 17. In these five chapters, we're going to see as Jesus spends his last five hours with his disciples before he goes off to get arrested and before he goes off to give his life as a sacrifice on the cross. See, what happened was the night that Jesus was arrested, he gathered his closest friends, he gathered disciples into an upper room where they celebrated the feast of the Passover where they shared a good meal with one another, and Jesus had a conversation with his closest friends. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew that the next couple of days was going to be incredibly stressful for the disciples, and he wanted to take this opportunity to share some last words, some last teaching with them to encourage them knowing what they were going to face. See, the reason I wanted to focus on this text is here we are in the middle of COVID-19 as our world looks different than it did just a couple months ago, as our church looks different than a couple months ago. In fact, the last couple of weeks we've been in this series called Essential where we have challenged, we have challenged the church to embrace the Acts chapter 2 model, that we would create a sense of community amongst the people of God at Restoration Church centered around a dining room table much like this, where we can study the Word of God together, we can pray together and encourage one another. And how good is it for us? How good is it for us in the middle of the stress that our world is facing to sit around a table with friends and church family, to listen to the words of Jesus that he shared with his friends around a dinner table as they entered into distressing times, much like we are in today. So today we're going to be in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17 that Courtney read for us this morning. And we're going to see how Jesus modeled a love to the disciples, how he had this this humility in washing the disciples' feet. The first thing that we have to understand to understand this passage of Jesus washing the disciples' feet is it is rooted in a love that the disciples did not earn. 
You see, one of the things that we find in the Gospels is that Jesus was, was God in the flesh. So he was a man, but he had all the characteristics of God. He was all-knowing, he was all-powerful, and you see this in this text that we are studying today. Verse 1, it says that Jesus knew that, his, that the hour had come, that he would depart out of the world to be with the Father. He knew this was now the time. Verse 11 says he knew that Judas was betray, would betray him. So Jesus, he knows all things. He knows that Judas is going to betray him. He knows that Peter's going to deny him. He knows that all the disciples are going to desert him. He knows the, 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 the cobwebs in each of the disciples' closets. He knows their deepest and darkest secrets. And you begin to think, those are the guys that Jesus wants around the table? The guys who are ultimately going to let him down and fail him? Those are the people that Jesus wants to spend this time with? People who are undeserving of his sacrifice? But look what the verse says. Verse 1. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. See, that phrase is a little ambiguous. He loved them to the end. Does that mean that Jesus loved his disciples to the end of his life? Maybe it could mean that Jesus loved them totally. He loved them to the uttermost. I think both of those ways we look at that are absolutely true. And this is what is so remarkable about the love of God and that is so different than so for so many of us. That Jesus loved those who didn't deserve his love. And this wasn't just a passive and a lukewarm and partial love. Jesus actively loved people who did not deserve his love. He loved them completely and totally. In fact, as the story plays out, despite how unworthy these disciples were, Jesus doesn't make them beg for his love. He doesn't make them grovel. He doesn't make them try and earn his love. His love was unconditional. It was this undeserved love and favor and grace that he bestowed upon these disciples. And see, for us to understand this whole story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, we have to recognize it is rooted in God's undeserved love for them. And listen, as a, as a Christian, God's undeserved love should be a reality in our lives. Let me just ask you this. Are you aware of God's love for you that is completely undeserved? Has that undeserved love, does it humble you before the cross where Jesus displays his love for you? Does that undeserved love cause you to hate your sin and make you want to love and serve him in return of his undeserving love to you? If you have never experienced his love, today would you receive the invitation of experiencing his undeserved love for you? See, the first thing we have to understand is God's undeserved love should be the reality in every one of our lives. But the second thing this text shows us is Jesus loved not just with words, but Jesus loved through humble service. And he's going to show it in a dramatic way. He's going to show that actions speak louder than words. Here's what it says in verse 3. It says, Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands and that his time had come uh, and he was going back to God, Again, this shows the authority that Jesus had, that he was Lord over heaven and earth. He is God and not the disciples. And so because of that, verse 3 says, Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. He, he takes a towel and he ties it around his waist and he pours water in a basin and begins to wash the disciples' feet and, take, and wipe their feet with a towel that's wrapped around him. I'll be honest, I think feet are grossed. Feet can be calloused. 
In those days, he wore sandals, and so your feet were always caked in dirt and grime, not to mention the stink that usually is associated with feet. And some people, they've got those toenails that look like sandpaper, just terrible. And because of this, and in that day, in Jesus' day, foot washing was something that only the lowest of low servants would do. Rarely, rarely, if ever, would you see a disciple wash the feet of his master. And never, never would you see a superior washing the feet of an inferior. That was unheard of. But here's Jesus. He takes a towel and he wraps it around his waist just like a servant and begins to wash the disciples' feet one by one, including Judas Iscariot, who had already set himself to betray Jesus. You can imagine those disciples sitting in stunned silence as the Son of God serves them in this way by washing their feet. And finally, Jesus gets to Peter, and Peter says what all the other disciples were probably thinking. He says, Jesus, you're never going to wash my feet. And this is important how Jesus responds. Jesus says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. See, at this point, this foot washing is not just about a physical foot washing. It's about a spiritual cleansing. And what this text is trying to show us here is teaching us that a spiritual cleansing by Jesus is absolutely necessary for us to have a relationship with God. In fact, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, By the blood of Jesus, he cleanses us from all sin. And so what Jesus is trying to say by washing their feet, by responding to, to Peter and saying, If I do not wash you, you have no share in me. Jesus is saying, it says, the blood, My blood will cleanse you from all righteousness. This is why as Christians in the church, when we celebrate communion, that the juice, it represents the blood that Jesus has shed for us as a reminder of the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. That we are made right with God, that we can have a relationship with him because of the blood that Jesus shed for us. That we don't re if we don't receive that sacrifice, if we don't understand the blood that Jesus shed for us on the cross, that we have no share with him, we cannot have a relationship with God unless we understand and receive this sacrifice. And here's Jesus, who is the, the Son of God, God in the flesh, and he's washing the disciples' feet. That is so beneath him. It should be reversed. It should be the disciples washing his feet. But this is an important, this is such an important picture for us and a picture for the disciples of what Jesus was about to do in the next day. That Jesus would become even more undignified than this. He would become even more humble by dying a criminal's death on the cross in order to, to purchase our freedom in order to provide a way for us to be forgiven of our sin, to restore us into a relationship with God by shedding his blood on that cross. So Jesus says in verse 8, Listen, if I do not wash you, you have no share in me. And Peter, again, who always speaks before he thinks, he says, well, in that case, Jesus, wash me from head to my toe. Here's my hands. Wash all of me. And Jesus responds in verse 10. And he says, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. This can be a little bit confusing here, what Jesus is saying. And I want to be clear, he's talking about two different things here. To be bathed, that Jesus talks about in verse 10, refers to the salvation experience when we trusted in Christ's work on the cross in our place. 
that when we put our faith in him, when we put our faith in Jesus, that we were made clean in the eyes of God, that Christ's death has already made us a new creation, that when we've been, when Jesus has bathed us in that way, we don't have to go and be bathed again. We don't have to get saved again. But what this text does say is we do need to have our feet washed, which refers to this ongoing repentance and cleansing that should be a part of our daily lives. Let me explain it to you like this. Imagine there's a boy who is adopted into a family, and he becomes a, a full member of the family by nature of his adoption. And he cannot lose that standing. He is a part of the family. But in his daily relationship with his parents, with his father and his mother, if he were to disobey his parents, that doesn't mean that he can lose his status as a son, but he needs to ask for forgiveness, for that relationship to continue to be close. And that is done in loving response to the fact that he's been adopted and is already a part of the family. And this is a point that Jesus is trying to make, that after we become a Christian, after we are already made right in the eyes of God and have been made clean by him, when we sin, we need to confess our sin and experience that forgiveness that God has already given to us. And that's what Jesus is referring to. And so, so far in this text, Jesus is giving us, this is the reality of what a Christian life should be like. If you are a Christian, the reality of your life should be that you have experienced Christ's undeserving love, something that is given to you. It should be reality in your life. It teaches us that Jesus doesn't just talk about love, that he showed his love to his disciples through their foot washing. And he shows it to us through the cross, and that should be a reality in your life. And he teaches about how we need this cleansing, how we need his blood to cleanse us from a multitude of sins so we can be made right with God. But there's a little bit more to the story. Because after Jesus has washed all the disciples' feet, he, put his ja he puts his jacket back on, sits back at the table, and it says in verse 12, he says to the disciples, Do you understand what I have done? You call me teacher and Lord, and that's right because that's who I am. But he says, Since I am Lord and I have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. He says, I'm giving you an example. I'm giving you an example of how to love those who are undeserving and how to serve those who are undeserving. I'm giving you an example so that you should do just as I have done to you. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Question I immediately ask is, is Jesus telling us we have to go and wash everybody else's feet? Maybe, but I think it's more about the posture of our heart. Are we humble enough? Are we humble enough to serve those who are undeserving, even in demeaning ways, if that's what it takes? See, Jesus, Jesus is passionate that if we claim to be a Christian, that Christ's love, his humble cleansing should be a reality in our life. His humility should be a reality in our life. And not only that, but we are to model that same love to those around us who are undeserving who are unworthy, we are to model that same sacrifice and humility and service to those who don't deserve it. Just think about it. Imagine, imagine with me, imagine how our community would look different if we did what Jesus just asked us to do. Imagine, imagine if we could humbly bite our tongues instead of responding. Imagine if we could love in action those who don't deserve our love. 
Imagine if we humbly served those who don't deserve our service and don't deserve our sacrifice. Imagine the impact that we can make on our families, in our marriages, in our church, in our community. Imagine all the issues that would be resolved if we would just do what Jesus has asked us to do. They would have this tremendous impact into the far reaches of our society if we would live the way that Jesus lived. So again, if this story is not necessarily about us washing other people's feet, but really becomes about the posture of our heart. The question is, how do we address the heart? How do we address the posture of our heart so we can live like Jesus just told us to live? Here's a couple simple ways I want to encourage you to embrace this week. Number one, we have to begin, we have to, begin to think of others more than we think about ourselves. In fact, notice, notice the disciples. They all come, they're all reclining around the table, and not a single one of them offered to wash each other's feet, to wash Jesus' feet. In fact, in Luke's telling of this story, in Luke chapter 22, it says the disciples were arguing with one another about which one of them was going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. Listen, we can judge them for that, but let's just be honest. How often do we gather with other people and we fall into that same trap? where we begin to brag about our kids. We begin to brag about our job. We brag about our latest toy, about the things we did to our house. We brag about whatever it is. Luke 22 says, Jesus says, this is the way the world lives. In verse 26, it says, but it should not be so with you, with, with Christians. He says, rather, the greatest among you shall become like the youngest. Whoever leads as the one who serves. He says, who is greater, the one reclining at the table or the one who serves? Well, the world will say the one who reclines at the table is the greatest. Yet Jesus says, here I am among you, and I am serving you. You see, this is what it means for us to, to humbly serve one another, is that we consider other people more significant than ourselves. Philippians chapter 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but with humility consider others more significant than yourself. Again, what would happen if we actually lived that out in our life? Think about, think about how many issues, how many quarrels, how many fights, how many hurt feelings, how many animosities, how many broken relationships would evaporate in our community, would evaporate in our lives if we simply, with humility, regarded others as more significant than ourselves. Number one, we've got to think of others more than ourselves. Number two, we have to get our focus off of our rights and our needs not to other people's needs. I mean, here, Jesus, he's the eternal son of God. The father has given all things into his hands. Certainly, certainly, he had the right to expect the disciples to wash his feet. I'm sure his feet were dirty just like the others. He was wearing sandals and all those things as well. But Jesus wasn't focused on his needs. He wasn't focused on his rights. Instead, he was focused on the needs of the disciples. They not only needed to have their dirty feet washed, but they needed this humble lesson in service and humility. Think about how this plays out in everyday life. Think about the husband who goes off to work to provide for his family. He deals with the hassles all day of providing a paycheck to come and, and provide for his family. I mean, he could say to himself, well, don't I deserve to come home and have a little bit of peace and quiet? Well, maybe, 
But that's the wrong focus. The focus should be, how can I serve and love my wife and my kids and my family? And a wife will say, well, I've been home trying to figure out how to keep track of all these kids. I've been cleaning up all their messes all day long. I've gone grocery shopping. I'm trying to get dinner put out on the table at a decent time. She could say to herself, well, don't I have a right to have a little bit of time to myself? Well, maybe, but I'd say that's the wrong focus. Humble service for us to live what Jesus told us to live and asked us to live requires that we get our focus off of ourselves and our rights and our needs and focus on other people. So first, we've got to think of others more than ourselves. Secondly, we've got to get our thoughts and our ideas off of our needs and our rights and onto other people's needs. Number three, If we're going to live the way that Jesus has called us to live, to serve those who don't deserve our service, to love those who don't deserve our love. Thirdly, we need to receive Christ's humble service for us. I mean, it's easy for us to give and serve other people out of pride. Look how great I am. I'm such a good person. In fact, when you look at Peter, he had this unwillingness to let Jesus serve him. That wasn't out of humility. That was out of pride. He would have been embarrassed to think, that Jesus needed to clean his feet. Because if Jesus needs to clean his feet, that implies that his feet were dirty and in need of washing in the first place. See, Peter's pride, Peter's pride would have better been served if he could have washed Jesus' feet. Look, Jesus, I'm so good. I'm such a good person. I washed your feet. Look how good I am. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. See, for many people, the gospel is offensive because we don't see our need, because we're proud of our good works. In fact, this even plays out in the lives of Christians where we revert back to to pride. Look at all that I've done for you, God. Look at all I've done for you. Of course you love me. And we view ourselves as if we have clean feet. We would be embarrassed or have shame if we admitted that our feet were dirty and we needed Jesus to wash us. But again, I just look back to what Jesus says. If I do not wash you, you have no share in me. That if we want to have a relationship with God, we have to recognize that our feet are filthy. And we need to receive Christ's humble service for us. This is what he said. If I don't wash you, you have no part in me. Listen, if you have not received the incredible, humble sacrifice of Jesus, then how could we expect to serve others in the same way if we've never received that humble, amazing, undeserving love ourselves? In fact, here at church, oftentimes we invite you to open up your lives, to share your needs, to share your issues with one another, to live life with one another. Why don't we do that? Why is it such a hard thing for us to ask for help, to say, hey, I'm struggling? Probably because we have a little bit of pride. I don't want other people to know that my feet are dirty. I got to do things my own way. Or maybe we become fearful about other people's opinions. Well, what are they going to think of me if they know that my feet are dirty? You see, the gospel is the key to us loving and serving like Jesus, that we actually have to receive his humble service, receive his cleansing in order for us to love and serve other people in the same way. As a Restoration Church, I I love y'all. 
And I'm excited to be able to gather around a table together. I'm excited to listen to these final words that Jesus shares with his disciples as he gathered with his disciples around a table to instruct them, to give hope to them, to teach them. What what I want for us is that as we follow Jesus, that his love, his humble service, and his cleansing would be a reality in our lives. That it would be a daily reality of this undeserving love that we receive from him. And not only that those things would be reality in our lives, my desire for us is that we would model that same love, that same humble and service to those around us, to our family, to our church, to our community. And we would see what God would do through that. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this opportunity to start this new series as we look at Jesus around the dinner table with his disciples. God, I pray that as we wrestle through the season we're in, that God, you would use this series, you'd use this text to instruct us, to inform us. God, I want to pray for those of us who have not yet experienced Christ's undeserving love, that today we would recognize the the love that Christ has gave to us. That he went to the cross, not because we're good people, not because we earned it, not because we're so special and, and worthy, but because we're unworthy, because we're dirty. That he went to the cross and he shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be restored into a relationship with him. So God, I pray that today that there'd be someone who would just receive that love for the first time. Say, God, I'm humbling myself and I'm receiving the sacrifice you made in my place. God, I pray that for us as Christians, every one of us, that that would be a reality in our lives, that we would experience that undeserving love. God, I pray that we would recognize the humble service that Christ gave in our place. The fact that he died the death on the cross in our place, that he modeled not just with word, but indeed how much he loved us. Hey God, I'm thankful for the cleansing that offers, that we can be made right in the eyes of God, that we can be made clean. And God, as you've asked us not just to make these things a reality in our lives, God, God, you've asked us to model these things to those around us. So God, I pray that you would humble us. God, I pray that you would give us the humility to serve those around us with washing feet, if that's what it requires with doing whatever it takes, even these demeaning tasks that we would say were, are beneath us. God, I pray that we would love people enough to serve them in whatever ways as you have modeled for us. God, I pray that you would begin to transform marriages. God, I pray that you would transform our families, that you would transform our church as we understand what it means for us to consider others more significant than ourselves as we remember and actually put into practice that we would focus not on our needs, but on other people's needs, that God, we would receive your sacrifice in our place. God, I pray that you would transform our families, our community, our church, as we model these things. God, we love you and praise you. And I just celebrate the fact that we need you, that our feet are dirty. And we come to you today, God, asking you to cleanse our feet. God, I love you and I praise you and I ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen.